Hi, and welcome to the Yes Podcast. Here, we share a collection of real stories told by real people who have said, I am yes. I am young enough to serve. We hope these stories and the lessons in them encourage you and challenge you to get involved in kingdom work in your church, neighborhood, and life. Welcome to Yes. Hi, this is Judy Wick. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We trust that the interview today will bless you and encourage you as you are going out and making disciples. Last year, Wes and I were in Spokane, Washington, and we had a chance to meet a beautiful Christian woman, Erica Capri. You just have to hear Erica's story. And so instead of this being an interview, we've actually asked um, Erica if she would just go ahead and just just go on with telling her story uninterrupted. So I think that um, I think you're going to really like meeting Erica, and I think you'll see why it was important for us to introduce her to you. Hello, I'm Erica Capri, widow of Joe Capri, and I want to tell you the wonderful things that the Lord has done in his life and in our life. To give you just a quick glimpse, uh, this is what I like to tell you about him. Joe Capri was born in 1919 of very poor, hardworking Italian-Spanish immigrants. He was a World War II veteran of the U.S. Navy, and he was deployed in North Africa. After World War II, Joe joined the U.S. Foreign Service. He served as a U.S. diplomat at the American embassies in 13 countries over a period of 31 years and under seven U.S. presidents. When Joe retired at age 60, we moved to Spokane, Washington, where Joe found his life's calling as a volunteer and assistant chaplain at the Spokane County Jail, and this he did for 20 years. On May 24, 2013, at the age of 93 and a half, Joe went to heaven. So this is really Joe's story and, and God's story, but I have to start with myself briefly. I grew up in Bremen, Germany, and lived through World War II. We were bombed out of our house by night by British bombers, but we all survived. One day as a young adult, while playing tennis, I met a handsome American diplomat, Joe Capri. He was playing tennis on the next court and was purposely hitting his balls into our court. <laughs> at this time, he was serving at the American Consulate General in Bremen. Well, we met, fell in love, and eventually got married. So my husband's position as a diplomat took us all over the world. We lived on all five continents. By outside appearances, our lives were interesting and glamorous. But a succession of all many, many cocktail parties helped lead to Joe's alcohol addiction. We were not Christians. We had no Christian background, never went to church, didn't own a Bible or anything. We just lived for every day trying to make the best of it, having fun. But <clears throat> our relationship, our marriage deteriorated as alcoholism took its toll. It became so bad that I could no longer stand to live with Joe, and so we separated. I returned to Germany with the youngest of our three children, 
while Joe was transferred to Sydney, Australia. And here I was in Bremen, Germany, feeling really lost as a mother of three with a failed marriage. I became very despondent and depressed. At one of my lowest points, I looked on my bookshelf and I saw a Gideon Bible there, one that my daughter had taken from a hotel room in Bangkok, Thailand a couple of years earlier, but I had no idea that I had that Bible. I'd never opened a Bible, but this was a different day. I opened it and the page fell open to Psalm 23 and it said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I had heard these words at funerals, but I had no idea that they came from the Bible. I knew right then I needed a shepherd. I needed still waters, and certainly I needed the restoration of my soul. From that time on, I had a great longing to read more of God's word, and I couldn't wait to get back to my apartment, just read his word. And through reading his word, I came to know his love, that he loves me unconditionally, and so I gave my life to him. I did not know any Christians in Bremen, nobody that could help me along in my walk, but the Holy Spirit of God was my only teacher in those first six months. He alone helped me to discover God's unconditional love and mercy. And then I began praying for my estranged husband and asking the Lord that he would change us. One day in particular, I prayed a real prayer with tears running down my cheek that the Lord would break this bondage of alcohol over my husband. And I said, Lord, deliver Joe. Deliver him from alcohol. Take away every desire. At that precise time, on the other side of the globe, in Sydney, Australia, it was 10 in the morning, and Joe had a scotch whiskey on his hotel dresser, getting ready to have a long weekend just with a bottle as his only friend. Miraculously, as he reached for the bottle, Joe had an encounter with the Lord. The Lord told him, put that bottle down. And Joe didn't know what it was, so he reached again. And again, that same deep inner voice put that bottle down. And so Joe knew this was supernatural. This was God speaking to him. And from that time on, he did not like alcohol at all. He poured the whiskey down the drain of his hotel sink, and he was delivered instantaneously from his addiction. And he became a brand new man and a believer in Jesus Christ. After that, our marriage was restored when we were reunited in Taiwan, the city of Taipei, as Joe completed his final assignment as a diplomat. He retired at the mandatory young age of 60. Because our younger daughter was attending college in Eastern Washington, we decided to move to Spokane, where Joe and I lived 
for the next 30 plus years and where I still live today. As new believers, we both committed ourselves to faithfully study the Word of God, prayer. We joined a wonderful church. And as a Christian delivered from alcohol abuse, Joe was on fire for the Lord. The Lord healed all the pain of our past. And through God's gift of forgiveness and his mercy and grace, our hearts were knitted together again in love. At that time, though, Joe began to immerse himself in watching sports on television, particularly American football, one of the luxuries that he didn't have in all his many years overseas. So he spent quite some time over the next decade, from age 60 to 70, sitting in his recliner, <laughs> remote in hand, with his eyes glued to the TV set. But at the same time, he read his Bible. He was a good Christian, and he increased the knowledge of the Word of God and his love for God. And he was eager to go to church whenever the doors opened. When Joe was 70 years old, we had a lady evangelist, Deanne, staying in our home. One evening, we hosted a Bible study in our home with about 30 friends in attendance. In the middle, excuse me, in the middle of the study, Deanne sensed that God was asking her to publicly share a word with Joe. She asked Joe whether this was okay, and Joe said, yes, sure. So then she boldly shared this revelation, that this is what the Lord said. Joe, the Lord has impressed on my heart that you have made an idol of your television set and football. And if you are not willing to get up out of your recliner and serve him, starting tomorrow, I will take you home. And oh my, it was silent in that room. But then on the Monday following this weekend, Joe placed a call to a friend who served at the Spokane County Jail. He asked if he could become a volunteer through the chaplain's office. And they assured him, yes that there was both a need and an open door. So Joe went and began serving in the Spokane County Jail. And eventually, he became the assistant chaplain, going there faithfully five days a week for the next 20 years. Joe's life had been turned right side up just by the grace and the mercy of God. And all the inmates loved Joe's sincerity, his discernment, and his direct approach. He was not uh, pussyfooting around. He just told it as it is. And the men respected that. Joe could not wait for Mondays to get back to the jail to proclaim the gospel, which is the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, to come into this world, to die on a cross for our sins, the sinless one for us, the guilty ones, so that whosoever, anyone who believes in him should not be condemned, but have eternal life through him. This is reading in the Bible, John three sixteen, For there is no other savior, no other name under heaven given among men 
by which we must be saved. This is in Acts 4.12. He who believes in Jesus is not condemned, but forgiven of all sins. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Romans 10.13. These were the verses that Joe just preached over and over again. And Joe, having been set free from alcohol, he was so eager to share with everyone the new freedom of Jesus Christ and what God can do and which is available to all of us. So one after another, God used Joe to help turn men's hearts to Christ. And he also shared with a lady in Maze. Early on, he prayed that he would live long enough for a thousand souls to turn to Jesus. Remember, he was already 70 years old when he started, and he kept a running log of names. When the total number of salvations reached 1,000, then he would ask the Lord for another 1,000. Because of his work in the Foreign Service, Joe was fluent in four foreign languages, which really was also a great advantage for him. Many times as he entered the jail, he would shout loud with a smile, somebody give me a box, I feel a sermon coming on. And he would then proceed to share a message from his heart. <laughs> this is what people saw. They already said, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a box. <laughs> Some of the more hardened and dangerous criminals were on the sixth floor of the jail and some of the volunteers were afraid to enter these cells. But Joe never bothered looking at anyone's rap sheet and entering these cells by himself with a steel barred door locking behind him. It did not faze him at all. He felt so secure in the Lord. And many of these intimidating men also surrendered their lives to Jesus and their lives were transformed for good. Since Joe also spoke Spanish, many Mexicans became believers in Christ. One by one, or sometimes in groups, more and more men and women gave their hearts to Christ. Then, at the age of 88, Joe had a mild stroke, and he was not allowed to drive anymore and needed a wheelchair. But with the kind assistance of friends that came to pick him up, he continued visiting the jail for another two whole years, always looking for opportunities to lead others to Christ. He was loved by all, <laughs> and they called him the wild man for Jesus. After Joe's death, the chaplain and I reviewed Joe's monthly logs, which listed by name and date the men and women he was privileged to lead to Christ. Some months, more than 80 names were documented, and other months, tallies were in the 30s. Every month was different. But when I saw his papers, at the bottom of each sheet of each month, there was a big circle with a number in it, and that was the number of souls that had come to Christ in that particular month. He never told me that. I only found that after he had gone to heaven. So the years piled up, and so did the number of inmates who came to know Jesus. 
and a final tally found just over 10,000 names documented during Joe's 20 years of his jail ministry, from age 70 to age 90. So Joe's later years were more fruitful than his younger life. On May 24, 2013, Joe went home to heaven and he was 93 and a half years old. And I close with this, his favorite scripture that ministered to himself so much is 2 Corinthians 5.17, because he is the living testimony of this scripture. If anyone is in Christ, meaning becoming a Christian, all things have passed away and all things have become new. He is a new creation in Jesus Christ. So thank you. I thank the Lord for my wonderful husband and for the work that God is able and eager to do in every one of us. God bless you. Thank you so much, Erica. I think our listeners will know this is why you had to meet this incredible, incredible Christian woman and hear her story. I just would like to close with a prayer. Dear God, this story of Erica and her husband, Joe, is so powerful. And while it can also be intimidating, the large number of people that Joe was able to reach, I just pray, God, that you will help each one of us to just be faithful where you've planted us, in our neighborhoods, in the workplaces, with our families, the people that we come in contact with. Help us to be faithful in sharing your love with this very lost world. We love you, Jesus, with all of our hearts and ask you to empower us to go out and make a difference for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Yes Podcast. If you are interested in getting involved with Yes or would simply like more information about this ministry, we welcome you to visit our website at yes2serve.org.